a lot of ways. I love that one. Please turn in your Bibles tonight to Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to look at some familiar passages and a familiar subject. I, I believe we need it often, though. Hebrews 11, verses 24 through 27. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ's greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward." By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Going back to this day and time, you have the time of the birth of Moses, and you think about Pharaoh, who had made a decree that all Israelite baby boys should be killed, and Moses fit that description. He was the right gender and he was there at that time. And his mother just couldn't seem to do that. So she hid him. And she hid him as long as she could hide her baby boy. And then she took him down to the river and put him in a basket. And then Pharaoh's daughter found this baby boy and and he took hold of her heart and took him and took him back to his very mother, and she was hired to take care of her own son. So she raised him, and she talked to him about the Lord. But also, he was in this Egyptian environment, with all of the luxuries of this world. He had he had learned about the truth of the Lord, and he had also seen right before him all of the things that this world has to offer. And one thing led to another, and Moses was brought to this place of making a decision, a decision to be made that we see in the text here. And as we consider where it says, when he came to years... Because you think about as he grew up and as he was raised and he saw both of these things, he saw riches and power and palace living and just going with the flow of this world, never wanting of any material thing. Everything that he saw in front of him, he could have it and he saw it and it was right there. And it just made sense to his mind. It was, it was right there in front of him. And that's what he could have chose for. And that's what he could have. And then there was identifying himself with the people of God. And suffering ill effects. Suffering ill treatment. Suffering persecution like we're talking about on Wednesday nights. And... You know, not really knowing exactly what was going to take place in his life down the path of the will of God. He didn't know what was before him. He didn't know what he would be getting into. And it was in the future. The pleasures of sin were in sight right there. 
within reach, right there in the present. And all he had to do was deny the promise of God and he could have what this world has to offer him just to deny that. Compared to what he didn't see, which was down the road of his life in the future. And he made a decision for the latter. He made a decision for God and the things of God. Verse 25 says he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. Someone said we make our decisions and then our decisions make us. Our decisions are a very important thing. Small decisions can reap big benefits or big negative consequences in our lives. Moses made the right decision with all of the temptation right before him. And then to not have this rosy picture painted by by some kind of prosperity preacher or something. I mean, he knew he would be suffering affliction with the people of God. That's what he chose. That's the decision that he made. I believe that's the decision we all want to make. I believe we all have a hard time sometimes making that decision. But that's the decisions that I want to make for the rest of my life. I want to make the right ones that are in line with our Lord and His will for our lives. How did Moses make that decision? Because what's natural can be so tempting to us. It just seems so easy to make the natural decision with our own intelligence of our mind, even though it's limited. I'll never forget talking to a young man about the Lord. He had destroyed his life. He had been down a horrible road in life. And he heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and it sounded so good to him. And there was delay, there was delay in his decision for Christ because he said, even though my life's been a mess, it's all that I know and it's mine. And, and I've been there in that. Even though, even though it's been a disaster, it's almost this comfort zone in a sick kind of way, he said. How do we make these decisions by faith? And not by sight. A supernatural decision rather than the natural decisions. Just like the children of Israel. Not going into the promised land. They didn't go into the promised land. A land that was promised to them. Things that were, that were given to them by God. By God's word. And they wouldn't do it because there were giants in the land. Two would have. But two million did not. Well... One old preacher that I knew said, I'm afraid the ratio might still be the same today. Let us not be that way, though. We want to make decisions like Moses did. Moses compared the outcome of happiness offered in Egypt with the outcome of suffering affliction with the people of God. 
And he was persuaded to choose the one that, that he couldn't see exactly what was going to happen versus what he just saw with it. He, who knows what's going to happen down either, either road, but, but he, he could connect with that so easily, but he didn't choose that. He chose to suffer affliction with the people of God instead of the pleasures of this world. And he did that by faith. What, what is faith? We talk about it so much. It's a popular subject that we become well versed in. But it can be hard to, for the Christian just to talk about what faith really is. Especially when you're starting from scratch with someone that doesn't know anything about the things of God. One fellow was invited to church and he grabbed his chain with a cross on it. And he said, That's, I don't need church, I have my faith. And this fellow asked him, what is your faith? Because, because Christ died for the church. He loved the church and he gave himself for the church. So what kind of faith are you talking about? He had nothing to say. I think kids in school today are taught that, that whatever you have faith in, that's true. If it's true to you, it's true. And run with it. That's good. Just do that. What is faith? Is it just believing hard enough that something will happen? If the rotten tree is laying across the creek, and you, you can put all the faith in the world in that rotten tree, but you're probably going to get wet when you try to cross it. Our faith is only as good as what it's in. It's got to be in the right place. But we still say, what is faith? It's an important thing. My quick count in the Bible, I found 247 times that we find faith in the Bible. And faith is many things. Sometimes faith is the body of truth. But in the text here, and the faith we're talking about, we're talking about faith as in having trust in a real fact that's not naturally revealed to you. Okay? It's not only trusting in that fact, it's resting upon that fact. It's acting upon that fact. It's being upheld by this fact. No matter if everyone or everything around you is in opposition of it. This fact is a person. The person of the Lord Jesus Christ and Him crucified for our sins. Faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're saved by grace, and that is through faith. It is through believing this fact. It's belief. But it's not just belief. It's twofold. It's belief, and it's acting on what we believe. We've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit's come to live within our heart. We have the down payment on heaven. Our, our, our citizenship is already in heaven. Brother Ron was out of his jurisdiction. But now he's not. His citizenship was already there. And he went home. He was a stranger just like you and I are on this earth. But no more. He's a citizen of heaven. I mean, that's a fact. By faith, we believe that. And we know this. We're made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus right now. 
a guaranteed promise of heaven. We believe we've believed. But it's also about acting on what we believe. So we kind of start to understand how Moses made the decision that you and I all want to be able to make. He acted on what he believed. He was persuaded by what the future held. That he knew because of the promises of God. He was moved by it. He believed and he acted on what he believed. By faith, we will be led not to do some things. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Faith is not just the acting is not just something we'll do. It's also going to be something we won't do that faith will affect us in. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. If we are moved by faith, there's some things that we're just not going to be doing. There's a lot of people today that want to justify some things that they're doing. And it's simply a lack of faith. By faith, we will not do some things in our lives, but we'll also be led to do some things. Moses chose and he suffered affliction with the people of God instead of the pleasures of sin for a season. We're going to be led and we're going to be moved by faith. Faith is going to be seen. James, summing up the book of James, James said, you have faith, show me you have faith. Kind of like... The Lord was my brother, you understand? And I, and I didn't believe until after His resurrection. So you tell me believe, you better show me you believe. And we show we believe by some things we don't do, by some things that we do, do. We'll also be led to act upon what we can't see versus what we can see. We'll be led... And persuaded by the future. Verse 26. Esteeming the reproach of Christ's greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. We're persuaded by the future when we live by faith. Rather than the here and now. Instant gratification. That's the desire today of people. Right here, right now. Moses was thinking about what was laid up. What was laid up in the future. That the Lord Jesus Christ had done for him. And he acted upon what he couldn't see versus what he could see. Verse 27. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Oh, when we grow in faith... He's so clearly to see. He can be seen so clearly through spiritual eyes. I guess we don't. I guess we don't act by faith sometimes. I guess we really need some encouragement right now concerning faith. Because we can think about some things we miss out on because of lack of faith. The Lord has so much more in store for us than what we're experiencing. I wish 
I wish the wise, blessed deacon friend I had one time years ago hadn't said, Kenneth, the way it might be when we get to heaven, there's going to be this big pile of rewards over here and a little one right here. And you might, you just might get your curiosity up and say, Lord, what's that? Well, that's what you could have had. But this is what you got. We, we miss out on a lot of opportunities sometimes. And we need to be encouraged to really be moved and act upon faith. We, we, we fail in this area. I think we need to talk about some areas we failed in. God's faith doesn't fail. But sometimes we do. And I don't believe any of us want to stay in that condition. Sometimes people just seem to be afraid. Sometimes people seem to be afraid to step up and, and serve the Lord. And look, that's, that's common Thinking from a lot of people and in the natural realm, we're going to think that way a lot. But then when we go to God's word and Philippians said, he which hath begun a good work in you will perform that work in you until the day of Jesus Christ. That's that's something you can really hang your hat on, if you will. That's something that you and I, when we're afraid to step up and do something for God, that's something that we need to that's something we need to think about. For it is God that worketh in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Wow, we can rest in the ability of God. The ability we need is availability. And then His ability is going to be, is going to be running through us. Paul, when he, when he reported of the mission work, he went back and reported what God did with them. Not what they did for God. We're not wrong when we say that, when we're understanding it right. But, but what God did with us. We ought to use that language because He works in us and with us and He works through us. And we can have confidence in that we don't need to be afraid to serve God. There's a lot of people That'll give you a lot of advice. You know, I've known really wise people and they're, they were, they're hesitant sometime and reluctant to give advice. Maybe they don't want to appear like I know it all. I don't know what the case is, but a lot of wise people, you know, they, they, they kind of let people, you know, ju just go and, and, and be guided and learn on the way and they pray for them and, and just give them a little something here and there. But you get somebody that doesn't know anything about anything and they're full of advice. People love to give advice when they don't know anything about what, what it is. People love to. We've got to be careful not to be a follower of bad advice. Why is it just because someone can make it on a camera that, that views over the TV screen, we think what they have to say is great. They were in a stupid movie and they had a ridiculous upbringing into fame or an immoral, rotten upbringing into fame. And we just ignore that. And we listen to what the rich person has to say. And we think it's so good. And it's cotton candy. And there's nothing to it. We've got to be careful who we listen to and what we listen to. A follower 
of bad advice sometimes. That will hinder you and I. That will hinder you and I in our lack of faith. In acting in faith. You know, some Christians can seem to get amnesia. We can do this sometimes. And we're faced with something in life. And it's not even as big as what God already brought us through. What God's done for us once, He can do it again. And, and we do need to look forward. We need to do what Paul said and be forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. But there is a needful glance back every now and then that we might look at what God has already done for you and I. We, we, need to, we need to write down an event by a verse in the Bible that's just laced with our life experience of what God has done for us. And we need to remember it. God led Joshua to put a memorial of 12 stones right there in the Jordan River and one up on land. And, and so they could tell their kids and they could tell their grandkids when they say, what is that? Well, let me tell you what God did. That Ark of the Covenant went through the water and, and, and part of that Jordan and two million went over into the promised land that God had for His people. Remember what He's done. When we take the Lord's Supper, it says in the Bible, do this in remembrance of me. Remember the broken body. Remember the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And remember everything else that He has done for you and your life. And I tell you what, it's going to lead us. It's going to make what's before us look smaller because He's taken us through something larger. We get pretty good about the big things we go through in life. We're... It's Captain Obvious, we can't handle this. Well, we can't handle any of it without the Lord. My friend, that, my elderly friend that drives through Walmart parking lot, up and down saying, Lord, you know how I'm feeling. Can I please have a spot close to the front? Now, he says every time one opens up for him. He might drive around there two hours, I don't know. No, no, he says pretty quick. He gets a spot open up for him. We need to trust him in all things. We need to remember what he's done. We need to remember that we can't see things from God's perspective. We cannot see things from the angle and the viewpoint that God is looking at them from. We, we're looking from one viewpoint and, and it'll hinder us. It'll hinder us from acting upon our faith. But oh, just think of Him. And, and we can't understand it all. But God's never told us to look from the viewpoint of trying to understand it all. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and He will direct thy paths. He's never told us to try to understand it. We get boggled down and we, we get stuck in the mud wanting to understand something. He never told us to do that. And that'll hinder us. That'll hinder us in living by faith. It will. You know, we, we kind of want, okay, we have this idea. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to do this. We're going to do this for the Lord. Lord, I believe you're leading this. What? A roadblock? What? What's going on here? That's the way we, we want things to be smooth sometimes. But when they're rough, 
and we stay in the pocket and God shows how successful he can be through us. He's also showing others around us how successful he can be through us. And we need to just think about things from God's perspective rather than seeing a roadblock and say, well, it's not God's will. Rather than seeing a ministry sometimes dwindle down to a few and say, well, it must not be God's will. We can't measure success the way God measures success. We don't see it from his point of view. And so something stops or we stop or we don't pursue something that God wants us to do because it takes faith to do it. And we're not acting upon our faith. We're saying we are and then we're trying to look at things from our own point of view. And we, we kind of want to get things going and then hitch God to our plan. Let's go down this road. That's not the way that God took the children of Israel out of Egypt. Once they came across the Red Sea, you understand, there, there was a common path that was a shorter path and an easier path. And God took them through a wilderness before they went to the 38 and a half year wilderness. And that's because there would have been a fight on their hands that they couldn't handle. They weren't quite an army when they were delivered out of bondage. They didn't have weapons. They couldn't handle that. God knows when you and I can't handle something and we're not ready for it. In His will, He will not put more on us than we can bear. All of these things though, if we're not thinking this way, from God's point of view, we're not going to act on faith. We don't put faith into action sometimes and we miss opportunities. Or we don't make it through challenges of life. Because we don't do it by faith. And we just become a little more blind. And a little more blind. And a little more blind. In Romans 8.28 For we know that all things work for good to them who love God. To him who are the called according to his purpose. That just doesn't register with us anymore. When we quit acting on faith. And it doesn't move us anymore. Some people say we're too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. I, I, don't, I just don't think we're very guilty. I don't think we ever have to worry about being very guilty of that. We, we need to be heavenly minded. We need to be helped to see things, see things from God's point of view. Oh, the frustration and the, and the depression and, and bitterness and anger over things. That will hinder our faith. Just as quick as anything else will. It will hold us back. It will put us in handcuffs that God never wanted us in. The mess we can get in when we're not acting on the faith that we've trusted in the Lord with. Thank God we'll be corrected. Thank God we'll be corrected for this though. Because God loves His children too much to see them hindered by something He is so much greater than. Greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. He's greater than anything that would hinder us. Let us act on faith. Let us serve God. Let us, let us confidently in godly confidence do the things that He's called us to do. Let us not be guilty of that sin of omission. Not doing what we're called to do. 
Lack of faith will keep us from not doing what we should be doing. There, there does need to be correction. There does need to be correction in this for our lives. And we need to be honest with the Lord when that's the case. Just alone with Him. You don't have to tell me or Pastor Stone or anyone else. Just alone with Him. Just where the rubber meets the road. Alone with Him. Man, I, th- I think Enoch spent a lot of time alone with the Lord. That's a special time. I look forward all week to gathering together with you and worshiping our Lord together. And I want to do it until Jesus comes back. But then when we leave and we go out our individual lives throughout the week, that's some special, special time alone with Him. You know what seems to be a good alone song? Maybe maybe you're not going to agree with me, but we sang, Oh, How I Love Jesus. Man, that's a windshield song. Is it for anybody else? Anybody go down the road singing, Oh, How I Love Jesus? Somebody with me? Tim, you ever go down the road and you sing that one? That's a good alone song with God. And it's good to, it's good to spend time talking to Him alone. Alone in prayer. We kind of learned a while back and we were real inspired by some messages on, on prayer. And we ought to be praying the Bible. We ought to be singing the Bible alone with God. There's correction. And we need to get alone and we need to be honest with Him. Doesn't it feel so good just to be completely open and honest with God and to tell God some things you would never tell anyone else? That's sweet. That's good stuff right there. Alone and honest with our Lord and Savior. We need to, we need to admit things to Him. And accept His chastisement. I don't mean to use such a light analogy. But I had a Cocker Spaniel. Let me take that back. She had a Cocker Spaniel for 16 years. He came along about three months more than me. And you would think he knew it the whole time. He never... I disciplined him. I disciplined him in, in action. He never accepted it though. He fought back the whole time. He never would accept proper discipline. It ended up not being proper because I got so mad at him not accepting it. But... But we need to accept the correction of our Lord. It's so good from Him. It's so perfect from Him. We've we've reverenced our, our fathers. And how much more perfect is He? And and as and as dads, as parents, don't do not abuse this statement, kids, but we're not perfect in our discipline. Yet you respect your parents. How much more should we reverence His correction in our lives? He does it because He loves us. And everyone that's His child is going to be corrected. It's all perfect. It's all for our good. Oh, we need to avoid the anger that will deaden our faith. And we need to desperately acknowledge our need for God's Word every day. 
I've probably said this before and some some statements. I've just had moments that hit me so hard. And when Pastor Stone said some few years ago that your responses to the things you're going to face in a day that you have no idea what they are, they all hinge on if you've been in God's word or not, how you respond to those things. We need to desperately see our need for the word of God every day. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We grow. We, this faith grows. We grow in, in belief and then we grow in our action as a result of being in the word of God. We desperately need to, to see this. And to know this, we need to think about the character of our God who who does not lie. Who is faithful and true, we need to consider him who never changes, who never fails. He never breaks his promises to you and I. One of my mentors said, if you promise God you're going to run a mile and you break your leg, he's still expecting the mile because that's all he knows. A prom- God doesn't know unbroken promises. All of his promises are sure. Assured. You're assured in everything that he promises you and I. Think about his character. Think about the characters in his name. He's advocate. He's the author and finisher of our faith. He's the bread of life. He's the chief cornerstone. He's the lily of the valley. He's our deliverer. He's our everlasting father. He's a firmly placed foundation. He is holy and just. He's our hope of glory. He's our king of glory. He's our Prince of Peace. He's our resurrection and the life. He's our purifier, our refiner, a true vine. He's our unspeakable gift. Consider Him who you can trust. You can trust Him in all that He has for you and I to do. He that spared not His only Son, but gave Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? So your Lord and Savior, who, who, who died for all the sins of the world and pleased the Father, and God raised Him from the dead, which assures you of salvation if you trust Him, will do all the little things that you need done according to His will. We can be confident to serve him. Let us let us take part completely in this twofold faith. We believe and we act upon our faith. Will we move? Will we act upon this faith? He'll never fail us. In our times of trials, let us act upon him. Our times of weaknesses, let us act upon him. On decisions for our families, Let us act upon Him on decisions for our career, for decisions in life, for decisions when temptation comes our way, that we might choose to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy these temporary pleasures of sin. What a cheap sellout for eternal joy for temporary pleasure of sin. That will cost us too much. It costs us too much not to act by faith. But if you're here tonight. And you've never come to the Lord Jesus Christ by faith as your Lord and Savior. I mean, we we can't even begin here. Not until you're saved from your sins. Not until you've experienced saving faith. Head knowledge is not saving faith. 
Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe with thine heart. God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You have saving faith tonight. That comes in and, 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 and changes your life. And moves through you. To do things. Not like you used to do. And things you've never done before. Things that you and I are unqualified for. That we find ourselves doing. We're all unqualified for heaven's work. But God works in us. And God works through us. The Holy Spirit does it through us. He leads and guides us into all truth. Makes us ambassadors for Him. Gives us a message for the world. Be ye reconciled unto God. I remember sitting in church. I went about once a month and I felt real good about that. I was unsaved. I didn't know it. And I looked around at all these holy people. Man, they're just so different from me. How can I be like one of them? What, what is that? That's something totally different. Well, I found out that they simply had a holy God living in them who changed their life to do the things of heaven. Has that change taken place in your life? I get concerned when I ask someone how they know they're a Christian and they go all the way back to single digit age when they said they believed in Jesus and they were baptized. And don't get me wrong, I'm not making light of that. My kids were saved in single digit age and, and a lot of yours were too and they really were. But if there's no evidence between then and now, is that saving faith? I mean, where there's life, there's vital signs. Where there's spiritual life, there's vital signs so that you know that you're saved. We're going to go to the Lord in word of prayer. And as Christians, consider honest with God. Honest with God about anything that is hindering them from living by faith. Would you give that to God tonight? And, and people, honest with God, that, that yes, they've had some religion. But they've never come into a saving relationship. Peace that if they left this world tonight, they know that they're going to see Ron and, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know that? Let us pray. Father in heaven, my Lord God, we do come before you this evening and I do thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you take lives and you transform them, Lord. You conform us to the image of your dear son. You change our lives and you make them something that they could never be by our own effort and our own ability. I thank you for the power of your salvation. I thank you for sanctifying your people. I thank you, Lord, that we're persuaded and we're moved by faith. But Lord, if there be one here tonight that is empty of this faith, oh, you're so faithful to convict a heart and draw one to you. You're not willing that any would perish, 
but that all would come to repentance. So you save tonight, Lord, and you sanctify. And dear God, for your blessed people, would you help us all with our hindrances that keep us from living by faith. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd all